right, so we're on the fifth series, the fifth Sunday. Obviously, my brain isn't working today, so you guys are going to have to bear with me. All right, we're on the fifth sermon in a series of six. I got it out. Um, this one is called Experiencing God Through the Team. So we've talked about experiencing God through relationships. That's key. That's what this whole thing is about. If you miss being in relationship with God and relationship with us, you're missing the whole point of church. You're missing the whole point of, of Jesus and what he did. You all understand that, right? That's the whole point of this is relationship. And that is growing in relationships, being better at doing relationships, all right? So the second one was evangelism, experiencing God through evangelism, telling people about Jesus in a way that is relational, in a way that is easy to understand. Listen, this isn't rocket science. Uh, it's just simply telling people who you are and how Jesus touched your life and changed your life. And hey, if you're open to it, man, let me let me know and I'll, I'll share with you even more. And, and I invite you to be a part of what Jesus is doing. It's not rocket science. We make it so hard. Well, you know, and then we go into all kinds of theological stuff. We don't have to go into theological stuff. All right. Learning. The third one was learning. Experiencing God through learning. Learning what? Well, we have to learn the fundamental truths of, of the scripture and we have to learn what the candles and all the goblets and everything means. No. What are we going to learn? If relationship is priority, what do we learn? What God likes and what God doesn't like and what he does. Right? I mean, it's that simple. That's what we learn. And, and so today we're going to talk about some of the things that, one of the things that God really likes. All right? So the, the next one we talked about adoration. Adoration, that's worship. We make him bigger than anything else. Right? So then there's, uh, today we're going to talk about T, which is team. Being on the team. Working together to do what God did. What Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Let's do that. Learning who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what he did. And let's do what he did. It's, it's that simple. So the team, the team, we're all a team. You're connected with the people around you. We're a team. You say, well, John, I'm, it's my first time. Are you in the body of Christ? Have you accepted Christ into your life? Then we're part of your team. All right? So the team is where you get to practice love. Ever failed at love before? Ever failed in a relationship before? So what we've got to provide for each other is the ability to practice relationships, to practice love, to be able to have the freedom to fail and still be accepted and still be loved. That's what we've got to provide for each other. Because I know Jason's going to fail me at some point. And I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to still embrace him and love him, right? So it's a safe place for us to practice love. And, and I know that you're going to sin at some point. I, I, I know that I'm talking to the choir today of heaven. But I'm sure of it that you're going to sin at some point. Like today. And we get to practice love for that, right? So, at Relate, we take an individual approach to ministry with this understanding in mind that you 
Use your gifts, your talents, your experiences in life, all of your failures and successes. All of those things only become truly meaningful as you become a part of the team. The body of Christ. You want meaning to come into your life? You look at your history and become grateful for it because that's what qualifies you to do ministry. Isn't that awesome? So who you are, where you've been, what you've done, and what you've experienced in your life, all of these are important factors in knowing who God has made you to be on the team. So Jesus called unique individuals to his team. When you read scripture and you read throughout the gospels and you listen to what these guys that Jesus called and ladies that he called to be a part of his team, they were all different kinds of people, very diverse group. All right. Um, And to be useful on the team, they had to give themselves over to Jesus. Give themselves over to him. All right. So they also to be useful on the team, they had to accept one another. They had to accept each other. They had to say, all right, I'm going to accept you the way you are, where you've been and what you've done. And to be useful on the team, their former way of wrong thinking and doing things that hurt others and things that destroyed previous relationships, all of that kind of living and thinking had to be laid down in order for these guys and ladies to be on the team that Jesus put together. And to be useful on the team, they had to do what Jesus was doing. Jesus was teaching them how to do what he's doing. Now, get this in mind. You've got this group of people that they probably knew of each other and some of them and they knew each other's background and history and some of it wasn't very good. And they pull this team together and Jesus is like, all right, I'm God. I'm the Messiah. And you guys are going to like each other, like it or not. Because of me. That's Jesus, right? So, first, let's talk about it. To be useful on the team, you got to give yourself over to Jesus. You got to give yourself over to Jesus. So, Jesus came to these, these men and women. He's like, Follow me. You're going to follow me? And when they followed him, they were saying, I give myself over to you. My agenda for life is now whatever you want, Jesus. I will follow you. You see, you've got to submit to him. You've got to lay your life down. You've got to lay your life down. God isn't going to give himself over to your purpose. God is not going to change who he is and what he does and what he likes to accommodate for you. He expects the opposite. He expects you to give yourself over to him. Is it right for him to expect that? Does a master give his life over to a servant's agenda for his life? Does a master do that? Does a a business owner give his business purpose over to an employee and take on their purpose? No, that's not the way it works. And Jesus says, I want you to take on what my mission is. And let me ask you a question. Who greater to work for? He's got the ultimate mission. He's got the best mission. He's got an amazing mission. When Jesus started doing ministry and people started seeing him do miracles, the scripture says this. In Jerusalem, during Passover, many people put their faith in Jesus. Now look at what happens here. These people are like, oh man, he did miracles. They put their faith in him. 
because they saw him work miracles. But Jesus knew what was in their hearts. He would not let them have power over him. Another version says he, would, he did not turn himself over to them. No one had to tell him what people were like. He already knew. Wait a second. These are people that decided they were going to believe in him. But he says, no, I'm not going to give myself over to them. What is he saying? They have a purpose for me that is not the purpose I'm interested in. They have something they want me to do for them, to accomplish for them. And I have a purpose that I want them to get on board with. Make sense? Now, early in the series, uh, we talked about the slave woman that was, uh, that was demon-possessed. Y'all remember the story? She was demon-possessed, and she could pre pre predict future events. And Paul and Silas came along, and she started making fun of them and yelling out in the streets and bringing attention to them, which was dangerous for them. These guys are servants of the Lord Most High. They've come to get you saved. And she was yelling around everywhere they, they went. And they were like, oh, man, we're going to get hung for this. She needs to shut up. So finally, Paul turned around and he said he cast the demon out of her. Well, the problem was that woman was making money for some wealthy people in the community, some, the guys that owned her. They were using her demon possession to help them get, get rich. That's sickening, isn't it? What were they doing? They were using her for their purposes. And that's exactly what humans will do with God. God can do miracles. God has signs and wonders. God does a lot of great things. And if we're not careful, we will use God for our own agenda. And God says, I have an agenda. I have a purpose. I have meaning. I have a reason for my church being here. And God forbid my church use me to get what they want. I have a purpose. I have meaning. Are you following me? So here's the question. Where are the people who love him? That would have been a great moment for all of you just to say, yes, it's me. <laughs> Where are the people who love him? Thank you. Where are the people who will give themselves over to him? Right here. Will you give yourself over to him? Will we embrace what he wants, who he is, what he likes, what he did? And what's his promise for you if you do? Well, Romans 8, 28. What's it say? And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and who have what? Okay, let's, let's emphasize. Thank you. His purpose. Have been called according to his purpose. What's he saying? He's saying God will work all things out for good if you love him and you embrace his purpose. How many of you need all things to be worked out in your life? Here's the path. Secondly, to be useful on the team, they had to accept each other. For you to be useful on God's team, you've got to accept each other. Look around the room. Would you just look at each other? Make it awkward.
We recently started watching The Chosen. One of the things that has been so fun to see come to life is the, the relationships with the disciples and to see how, how different they were and the reality of the disciples coming together and what that looked like. I mean, these were guys that would have never hung out before. They would have never been together before. And suddenly they're together and they've got to be together and they've got to accept one another because why? Jesus. And we're in the same boat. John. You see what kind of car they drive? Jesus wouldn't drive a car like that. You should see mine. <laughs> Funny. One of the biggest issues was Jesus taking Matthew on his team. Who was Matthew? He was a Jewish tax collector for the Romans. Let that sink in. He abandoned his people, turned his back on his people. And Matthew had cheated these people out of money. He, had, he was wealthy, out of blood money, wealth, or money. It was just horrible. He was throwing the people in prison, his own people. And Jesus says, Matthew, follow me. And you can imagine what the other guys that were already on the team thought. Maybe they should have stopped to think about, well, what does that say about me? <laughs> they didn't like Matthew. It was, it was a huge struggle. These men had to accept each other. Their pasts, their differences, their different personalities. All of it. They had nuances, too. You know, one of them smelled bad. You just know it. You know? Somebody put some deodorant on that guy. You know, you know that there were some things. One of them snored really badly. It had to be there. You know it. So number three, for you to be an effective part of God's team, you're going to have to lay aside who you think everyone should be and your agenda for his team. You got to lay it aside. And you've got to say, he's the master. Not me. You see, we all have history. But here's the beauty of it. We all have future. Every one of us. We've all got our pasts. But more importantly, we've got future. And you and I are going to have to get over what we think we need to worship. Listen. Everybody comes in with their perspective on what the song should sound like, what style of music we should have, what we should be wearing and what we shouldn't be wearing. Everybody has their opinions on all of it. John, you preach too much from the Old Testament. Really? I didn't know that. John, you preach too much from the New Testament. Okay, well, this guy over here tells me I'm the old. I don't understand. Here's what you need to know. I preach what God tells me to preach, and I find stories in the Bible, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, that help make sense of that. I'm not on some agenda up here. Everybody comes in with their own perspective of what church should look like and be like and all of that. And listen, sometimes I'm going to dress with a, a hood. Sometimes I'm going to dress in a suit. Sometimes I'm going to have a t-shirt on. Doesn't matter, I hope. 
We're trying to reach people of every kind. Just like Jesus did. You know, Jesus walked around with his toes hanging out. That's gross. Emma Grace and I went for an ice cream yesterday and, and she was talking about one of the local mosques and I, I, said, I said, yeah, I could never go there. Well, obviously, you know, religious-wise, right? But uh, I said, yeah, all the guy's toes are hanging out. I can't handle that. Because <laughs> I got stuck in their, their line of traffic as they were leaving church the other day and I was yeah. So Jesus said these two things are imperative in your life. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? With all your soul. And then he said that's the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He's saying everything in your life hangs on these two things. What, is, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Let me ask you this. Can you leave yourself? You ever want to leave yourself? But you can't. can't walk out of your body like some turtle leaving his shell. You can't. Can you pack up and walk out of your life? You can't. When you're thinking, can you hang up on yourself and your head? <laughs> Be good if you figured out how to. <laughs> can you shun yourself? Well... You have to work on, you, you've got to work things out with yourself, don't you? You have to live with you. You have to live with you. Love others as you love yourself. You have to live with the team God has given you. Does that compute? You see, you've got to listen to yourself all day long. You've got to look in the mirror throughout the day. I suggest that you do, and I suggest that you make it worth looking at. At least clean. You, you've got to do something with yourself, even if you've done something stupid. You still have to be with yourself. You can't put yourself out. You can't go away from yourself. you got to be there. You still have to bathe yourself, comfort yourself, clothe yourself, take care of yourself, nurture yourself. you still got to feed yourself. Even though you decide, you know what, I don't like me. I did something stupid. you still got to be there with you, right? And when you mess up, what do you do? You do your best to fix it and make things right, and preferably without the whole world knowing it. So, when it, listen, you're, you're tied to yourself, aren't you? And, and let me ask you this. You ever been tired of yourself? Oh, I'm so boring. <laughs> you just get tired of yourself. I do the same thing every day of my life. I just get tired of myself. But you still can't leave yourself. 
God puts us in your life and said, love these people as you love yourself. What's he saying? Even when you do, when we say something or do something that you don't like, you still got to love us. And when you see our flaws, you still got to love us. When you see someone mess up, what do you do? We blab it out to everybody. <laughs> no. What do we do? We help them if we need to try to fix the mess, try to clean it up without the whole world knowing it. Why? Because we love them. Oh, man, doesn't that ring true? If you do it for yourself, you know, you don't want to you don't want everybody to know what your mess ups are. Why do we want everybody else to know what everybody else's mess ups are? We love. What does the scripture say? Love covers over a multitude of sin. We love one another as though you are with me. I'm connected to you. Why? Because we're the body of Christ and we love each other through these problems and struggles and things. Amen. So to be useful on the team, your former way of wrong thinking, doing things that hurt others and things that destroy relationships, all of it has to be laid down. And we've got to embrace one another and love one another as we love ourselves. People are asking me about this Asbury revival. Have you, have you heard of it? It's a, a student revival that started in Kentucky and it's kind of spread to some other universities. And uh, did some looking into it. And on the peripheral, you'll find some things that are very disturbing. Um, you know, people in, in any kind of situation are going to use anything like this that gets a lot of attention as a platform for their agendas. And so on the peripherals, you're going to see and read some things that are happening that uh, are disturbing you know people have their social agendas and things like that and they always people are always wanting to say god is okay with some of these things and so they'll put those things out there they'll even bash some other churches in the process of it and you know world known churches and listen lay all that stuff aside here's here's what we always need to look for in any kind of a situation like this and even in our church our lives changed are there stories of people who embrace God for who he is, what he likes and what he doesn't like and changing their lives to accommodate for that? That's revival. The truth is we could we could get all excited and have a big worship service and man, people line up to be in church and all of that. And that's wonderful. But if all of that happens without lives being changed and people joining the team with Jesus and learning the way of love, it's all for naught. You see, pride tells us that God, well, God accepts me just the way that I am. And therefore, I'm okay, so I stay the same. That's pride. Humility tells us. Wisdom tells us. Yes, God accepted me for all that I am. And I will change my life to love him. To accommodate for him. That's wisdom. But I'm looking at people who have changed their lives for him. I'm looking at people that are sober now. I'm looking at people that are working on being sober now because they want to be. I'm looking at people that have had issues and struggles and problems and they've changed their lives or are in the process of changing their lives. That's who we are. 
we're becoming better. I'm looking at people that have been divorced and struggled with relationships. Jesus called these kind of people on his team. And they gratefully came and completely turned their lives over. And even though they had problems and struggles with each other, they recognized Jesus was the master. And that made it work. Here's the thing. If you're coming to God with the attitude of, hey, I don't have to change. I don't have to do anything different. God's going to accommodate for me. You're on the wrong. You're in the wrong crowd. Because it doesn't work that way. Jesus is the master. He is the master. And what he has for you is life everlasting. And he's got all that you need for your life. All of it. And here's the thing. When people start loving God, they want to please him. They want to please him. When we start loving God, we want to please him. You see, the world doesn't get this. The world thinks that religion is about appeasing the gods that we serve. Oh, throw some people in a volcano. That'll appease the God. Okay, we'll throw people in the volcano. Go blow up a building. That'll appease the God. So they blow up a building. They run airplanes. Into whatever. That'll appease the God. That's what the world thinks religion is. Us appeasing. What they need to hear from you and me is we're here because we want to please our God. We love him. And he doesn't even want to be appeased. He wants to be pleased. He wants people who get to know who he is, what he likes and doesn't like and go, God, I give myself over to that. I resign myself to that. That's what this is about. Well, I can't steal anymore. I've got to appease the God. Well, I, there's a few people I wanted to murder this week, and I've, I can't do that because I've got to appease the God. I wanted to make a statue, but I've got to appease the God. I've got, I can't look at that because I've got to appease the God. I can't have my sexual pleasures because I've got to appease the God. Is that, is that what this is about? No, it's about pleasing Him. Loving Him who he is. We want to please him. Have I failed? Yeah. But he's gracious and he's merciful and he's kind. Have you failed? Yeah. And we just keep getting back up and go. Put me in coach, right? You realize what I'm saying? We're stuck together as a team. We're stuck together as a team. I got to be honest with you. Knock yourself out. Go find some other team. Try to. But this is the best. <laughs> All right. Ephesians chapter four. And so I insist. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, and so I insist. And God backs me up on this. It's, he's saying these are some real words. Jesus would say yes to this. Jesus would agree with me on this. That there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual addiction, obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. 
you learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of that old life. And, when, and then take on an entirely new way of life. How many of you have done that? Working on it. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct. He's saying, whatever goes on inside is going to come out in your conduct. And if you let God renew you on the inside, you're going to be made new on the outside as well. In your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. Let's say that together. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. That's a team, isn't it? And he says, uh, when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. What? That's how connected we are. Whatever you do for someone else, you've done to yourself. He says, uh, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't get the, give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get, on an, get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Which uh, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break God's heart. Listen to the personalization of this here. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. He's saying, you're here to please me, not appease me. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Boy, let that sink in. The most intimate part of your life is the Holy Spirit. Living and breathing in you, moving in you. And he says, making you fit for himself. That's the, 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 the visual of a, of a husband making his wife fit for himself, right? Making her beautiful. And that's the verbiage that he's using there, right? Giving her all the tools. You know, back in the Old Testament, man, they would take weeks and weeks and months to get themselves prepared to be ready for the king. The, the, the ladies that were chosen from the, the kingdom to do that, right? And they would, they would make themselves beautiful and dressed. And, and that's the verbiage here. God is making you beautiful for himself. Isn't that awesome? He loves you, cares about you. He says, make a clean break. With all cutting, backbiting, profane talk, be gentle with one another, sensitive with one another. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. So real quickly, to be useful on the team, you have to do what Jesus was doing. So Jesus taught a lot. You know, we have written documentation of the things that he taught the people. James David, would you come? Um, but with his preaching and teaching and all of that and the storytelling that he did, there's something more important that Jesus did. He did. It's what he did. 
And the disciples would watch what he was doing and expect Jesus, and Jesus expected them to start doing what he did, what he was doing. He expected it. He expected his disciples to learn how to talk to people about him. Okay, listen. Listen, don't, don't zone out. We're going to go to lunch in a few minutes. He expected his people to start telling other people about him. He expected that. He expected them to start telling people about the life change that has happened in them. He expected that. That's why the guys and the ladies were following him. And he expects... He expected them to pray for others. He expected that. So what does that mean for us today? Well, he expects you to talk about him to other people. He expects that you will, by his power, change your life because God's kingdom is here. And then tell others about how. He changed your life. He expects that. Is that a reasonable expectation on his part? Whether it is or not, he's God. And he expects for you to pray for others. So today I want to introduce something kind of new to us. I want to introduce an opportunity that if you want to get involved in this, I need to know about it. A way for us to touch our community tangibly. Where did Jesus gather most of his disciples? They were working. They were at work. So let me ask you this. To, to build a relationship with somebody, you, don't you need to kind of have a continual opportunity to meet with them somewhere? To build a relationship with them. So where are people throughout the day imprisoned day after day after day? At their jobs. So some of you go to work every day. And you see the same people day after day after day. But I want to propose something also missional in our community right here i'm working on getting a list so that we can pray for all the businesses the individuals that work at the businesses in this community and i don't know what do you think about if we had people from our church family committed to and assigned to going into these businesses and developing relationships with the people that are there Handing them a business card and say at the end of a conversation, oh, by the way, my church has has sent me here to ask you if you would like us to pray with you about something. And here's a card that has an email address on there. If you don't want to give me the prayer request, you can email it right here and our pastor will get it and we'll put you on the prayer list for the next couple of weeks. And developing relationships, getting to know them. They're a prisoner there. They're stuck there. They got to see you when you walk in the door. 
Makes sense to me. And here's the thing. That's what I do all day long, every day of the week. And so you can do what I'm doing. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus went into the marketplace and he became friends with people all around town. And he said, follow me. And they did. And then he taught his disciples to do that. And that's what he's doing with us. It's an intentional approach to reach the lost. So, doing what Jesus did as a team, you will experience God in a way like you've never experienced Him before. And I believe that we'll also start to see the things that Jesus said we would do. Some serious answers to prayer. When we're doing what He did, we're also going to see results like He saw. I believe that. Jesus gathered a team around Him and did ministry in the marketplace. Listen, he didn't gather a bunch of people that, that it made sense, that got along, they weren't friends, liked the same things, thought the same way, processed life the same way. He didn't do that. Jesus gathered a motley crew of men and women who had to work to love each other in spite of each other. I want to take a few minutes as, as we're coming to a close, and I want to show you just a clip from The Chosen. Jesus was out, and he was healing all day one day in this clip. And they talked about how there was a huge line of people waiting for Jesus to be able to heal them and help them. And the disciples were hanging around the fire and they were laughing and carrying on and having a great time and asking each other questions, getting to know each other better. But then, you know, as usual, when humans get together for too long, they started fighting. And they became very angry with each other. And it became a shouting match. And that's when this comes in. his mother. Thank you.
one more. There we go. I'm a mess. Good. What would I do without you, Ima? Get some sleep. Okay. I'm so tired. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes and slumber to my eyelids. May it be your will, Lord my God, and God of my ancestors, that I lie down in peace and that I arise in peace. And those men and women went on to change the world. All the division, all the fighting, all the rejection that they were given to each other, they became a team. And every one of them went on to be willing to give their lives for Jesus. And Jesus was about his father's business. And this is why we're here. Please don't make a mistake in thinking that you're just here to make it to heaven. You're not. You're here to have a relationship with Jesus, the master. And to do what he did because you love him. And you've given yourself over to him. And what that means is that you choose to love us. I've been here a long time. I've seen a lot of people come and go. And believe it or not, some people find a reason to hate me. your choice will you love will you accept his way because that's what it comes down to I'm going to do things his way whether you like it or not and I'm going to say things his way whether you like it or not because it means salvation and this is the most important part of this life. What happens to you spiritually is the most important part of this life. It's the most important part of your life. And I take it very seriously. The question is, will you? Will you? Do we have fun? Yeah. But it's meaningful. And so would you bow your heads? I want to ask you this morning, 
Have you given yourself over to him? Has he set the agenda for your life? Jesus says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Are you following? Have you laid down your life? What are you waiting for? Today's the day. March 5th, 2023. It's a new beginning for you. It's a new day. From this moment on, I'm following Jesus. Wherever he says to go, what he wants me to do, I will follow. I've tried it my way. I've tried my way of thinking long enough. I've tried holding on to grudges, unforgiveness, hoping that someone would fix it or repay me. It's time to let it go. Jesus is in the house. And he says, follow me. So, Father, we are so grateful for giving us Jesus, your son. And Jesus talked about how important it is that we have access to you personally because of him. And we know that Jesus' purpose and meaning in life is yours. And if the God of the universe and beyond says, this is my purpose in life, this is who I am, this is what I like, then certainly it's important for us. And so we lay ourselves down at your feet today. And God, I pray that these people would be examples in all of the kingdom of what it looks like to love one another in spite of our differences, our likes and our dislikes, that we would lay down all of that, the stuff that humans make so important, and we would embrace the thing that makes meaning and purpose truly come into our lives, and that is relationship with you and with each other and that God we would take up the torch and go out and find those who you want us to find you said all the world to reach the lost we embrace that and I pray that right now you would solidify something in in each of these a call your purpose. In Jesus' name. Perhaps you're here today and you want Jesus into your life and you haven't accepted him into your life truly. Maybe it was a long time ago that you prayed a prayer. But today you say, Jesus, I will follow you. Just tell him that right now. I will follow. I will follow. I make you Lord of my life. Teach me your ways.
You're my God now. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, I want to just give you an opportunity to share it with me. Just look up at me until my eyes catch yours. If you prayed that prayer and Jesus came into your life anew and fresh today. All right? All right? Anybody else? All right. I do have a book in the back, a little booklet that I'd like to give to you if you accepted Christ into your life today. And um, it'd be a place to start. All right? So let me ask you a question if you'd look up at me now. I mean, what do you think, church? You think we can pray for the people who work in the businesses in our community and be able to reach out into those lives? What do you think? I can teach you. I can train you. I know how to do it. Been doing it for 15 years. And God will use you. He will use you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, He will use you for His purposes. And the Scripture talks about Him making you into, from something ignoble into something noble. How many of you like that? That, that? that translates into from being a plunger in the household to being a beautiful dining cup at the, at the dining table, right? God will make you into something beautiful. Amen? Amen.